0: One, two, here we go, three, <laughs> almost four. there, five, six, seven, twelve, such a special Eight. number. Numbers Nine. on the clock face, number Ten. of pennies in a shilling. 11 number of letters in my name 12 b e l l i n a p o r i o r belina prior 12 letters in my name 12 stones in the water I heard it that time at the opera in London. My uncle took me. Rigoletto. That was the name of the opera. It was really dark and bloody. I loved it. The old man, the hunchback, thinking he's killed his daughter's lover. Well, not really, lover. He wasn't a nice man. He didn't care about Gilda. That was the daughter's name, but he was the tenor, so he got to sing the best known aria, Le Donne Mobile. And got lots of applause, which, when you think about it, isn't very nice, because he's saying that all women are fickle. They're always lying and being miserable. And anyway, old Rigoletto, the hunchback, thinks this tenor chap, the duke, is in this sack dead. And he's about to fill the sack with stones and throw it in the water. And then... He hears in the distance the Duke's voice singing "Le Donne Mobile again, and he realizes, then he opens the sack and finds... finds that he's killed his own daughter.! Oh. <gasps> and the opera ends like that, with the parent crying over the dead daughter. So horrible. So magnificent! I couldn't speak afterwards. In the carriage on the way back to my uncle's house, he was talking to me about something, but I didn't hear the words.
1: Love and affection which Her Majesty has held. Belina, are you all right? Belina.
0: He said next morning he was afraid I was going to have another one of my episodes. <laughs> That's what he and Mama called them—my little moments when everything just stops and I'm somewhere else in my head. He wanted me to see the doctor again. He said he wouldn't tell Mama, but I didn't want to see him again. Dr Ronsley and his white powder, potassium bromide. He kept asking me things, personal things. Did I touch myself? The dirty, filthy man. No, no. I was not going back to see him again and I wasn't having one of my episodes that night after the opera. I was just enraptured. Yes, enraptured too. It was my mother who wanted me to be an actress. Mama, I never said I wanted to be an actress. I like pretending. When we were very young, my sister Adie, or Adele, Adele's our proper name, but we always called her Adie. Edie and I would dress up at Christmas time and put on a play Well, a sort of a play For Mamma and Papa Edie would play all the male parts Well, she was older Kings and soldiers and that sort of thing And I would always be the sweet little girl Or the femme fatale. I
2: believe we have a little actress on our hands, John Belina
1: She's very talented
2: Talented, yes but a dreamer.
0: She needs to be guided. Edie and I didn't know what we were talking about half the time. We just copy things down from books. But Papa always called me his little princess. I remember him in his military uniform, the Twelfth Lancers. There's that number twelve again. Lieutenant Colonel Pryor, Brigade Depot, Armagh, his final posting. I was only seven. We were in Ballinahone house then, but we had to leave when Papa died. Mama, Edie, me and Harvey. Harvey was only a baby then. When I was over in London for the Golden Jubilee, I saw a troop of Indian cavalry riding behind the Queen's carriage. And I thought of Papa. He'd served in India during the mutiny. And India is where he and Mamma married, and where Edie and I were born. Though I don't remember much about it—just the heat and the flies.
1: Didn't care much for the climate, but damned fine people, some of them. He'd
0: been wounded in the arm over there. He used to show me his scar. Poor Papa, I'd say, and I traced my finger all along the white wound.
1: My little princess. <laughs>
0: He'd get down on all fours and let me on his back. I am your mahout, I would say. And he would make elephant noises and I'd order him about. He liked being silly sometimes. But never when Mamma was around. She didn't approve of that sort of carry-on. There was none of that in our new house on Vickers Hill. Number six. Three. Armagh, is such a pretty little town. But all those hills. To go just about anywhere, you have to go up and down a hill. Vickers Hill is a terrace of houses right beside the cathedral. The old one, the Church of Ireland one. Not the new, tall, twin-spired one, the Roman Catholic one. That's on Sandy Hill. Ours is on Sally Hill. (laughs) Sally Hill. I once told Adie that if I ever became an actress, I would call myself Sally Hill. (laughs) But she said it sounded too much like a naughty book and of course the name Sally Hill isn't the original name that's in Gaelic, drum Shylock not that I can pronounce it properly the Reverend Wade down at the library he would know brains to burn that man but it really means Sallow or Willow that would be a lovely name for a little girl, Willow Sing Willow Willow, Willow. The fresh streams ran by her and murmured her moans. Her salt tears fell from her and softened the stones. Sing, Willow. Willow, Willow. The, the fresh, fresh. Dreams
1: ran by her remembered
0: and remembered her In this spectacular new production of Mr. Irving of Shakespeare's immortal play, Mr. Irving once again plays Iago to Mr. Edwin Booth's moor, with sensational newcomer Miss Sally Hill as the ill-fated Desdemona. Yes, I did dream of such things. But that's all they were. Dreams. It was Mama who was deluded. She kept pushing me and pushing me. We would have the most awful rows. You must try
2: harder, Bellina. You must work on your diction. Don't give a damn about... Don't you ever speak back to me like that, young madam. But Mama... If your father, God rest him, were here, he would soon put you in your place.
0: As if Papa would ever. And that time I found the hatchet. And walked into the parlour, brandishing it over my head with the fiercest expression on my face. Oh, to see her reaction then. To see how frightened I could make her. Not that I intended doing anything. I mean, I would never. I just wanted to show her that I was not a little girl any longer. That I had my own mind and my own life to live. And that she should be kinder to me. That's all I wanted for her to show me more kindness That's all four The front door of our house faces the cathedral where the High King of Ireland, Brian Barula is buried somewhere. On the far side of the cathedral, the ground slopes down to the market square. Mama would go shopping there during the week. Down to our right, steps lead to Irish Street. To our left, past the library and the infirmary, the road forks down into Dawson Street and Abbey Street. And directly behind our house, down the steep slope, is Callan Street, where people like the Slavens live. Joseph and Anne and their daughters, Kate and little Annie. <laughs> Annie Slavin, such a pretty little thing. Tuesday's Child. (gasps) Oh my, that man at the window, peering in at me at the kitchen window, at the back, like a phantom, staring at me, a man with a dark beard, a gaunt face. Edie, come quick, come quick, there's a man! When I turned to the window again, he was gone. Edie came running in. Where? she said, and I pointed to the window. She looked out. There's no one, she said. But there was. I'd seen him. I was still shaking. Eddie believed me, I know she did, I know. But not Mamma. Oh no. Not her.
2: You're seeing things again, Bellina. Stuff and nonsense. Go to your room.
0: I so wanted her to like me. I know things were difficult for her when Papa died. Three children to care for and not much money. But she might have believed me. If she really loved me, she would have believed me. Five... Although we weren't especially religious, I did love walking the aisles of the cathedral and listening to the choir. I think I could live in a church, away from the world, away from Mamma, away from everyone. Why are people so unkind? Grown-up people, I mean. Not children. I love children. I love children more than anything. I loved watching them playing out on the street in front of the cathedral. Skipping, running around, playing TIG, sitting down to play Knuckle Bones or Jacks. That's where I first saw the Slavins. Annie and Kate. Kate was playing Jacks with some friends and little Annie, who was only about three, was trying to join in, but she was getting in the way. I was coming back from the market with Mama and The girls were sitting in a circle on the side of the street when whoever was playing threw the stone up in the air Annie would jump up and try and catch it and ruin the throw. Then the stone hit her on the head and she started crying. I wanted to go over to her to see if she was all right, but Mama told me I wasn't to go near those common girls. I waved at Annie behind Mama's back. She was rubbing her eyes, but she saw me and waved back. When Mama had gone for her nap, I sneaked out the door with some sweetmeats and ran over to the girls. I gave each of them something, but I gave the nicest piece to Annie. Hello, Annie. My name is Belina. Yeah, that's right. I seen you bumped your head earlier on. Did you get a wee fright? Ah, you're okay now, though, aren't you? you know what might help? I asked the older girls where they lived. They were all from Callan Street except one, called Ellie, who lived down by the shambles at the bottom of Dawson Street. They were all Roman Catholics and I think a little wary of me. But they liked the cakes. Will you come to see me sometime? I said, looking to Kate, who was nine and the eldest. Maybe you could do some errands for me and I'll give you more cake. (laughs) ''More cake?'' said Annie, (laughs) clapping her hands, and we all laughed. Kate nodded, perhaps a little reluctantly. ''I live at number six. I patted Annie on the head and hurried back to the house. Six. Tuesday became our special day. Mama was usually out for the afternoon and Kate and Annie would be playing by the cathedral gates, waiting for my signal to call across. The girl called Ellie came with him the first time, but she turned at the doorway and ran away. Kate kept a protective hand on her little sister. It's OK. I won't bite you, I said. Would you like to meet my sister Adele? I had told Eddie about the possible visit. I could never have kept it secret from her anyway. That first time we just played cards in the parlour and I gave Kate a penny for her to buy sweets for herself and Annie. Annie took an immediate liking to me and I to her. After a couple of visits, Kate was happy to leave Annie with me for a while and go on an errand or out to play. They didn't stay long, less than an hour. I tell Annie stories and (laughs) make up games. (laughs) She was fascinated by the little basket of stones I kept in my room. Stones I collected from visits to the beach at Cranfield when I was younger. I told her they were magical stones and gave her one to take home with her. I liked watching her playing with them, carefully laying them out on the floor in little patterns and teaching her how to count with them. (laughs) She was so adorable. She would do anything I said. Little Annie's slavin'. She's your little slaveen, Edie would say, but not unkindly. Then that day, that Tuesday, Tuesday, twenty seventh of March, eighteen eighty eight, seven. Mamma was in a horrible mood that morning. Beastly. She had mislaid her emerald brooch, the one I had always liked, and she was convinced I had taken it. She stormed into my room and started going through all my things my clothes, my dressing table, my makeup box. Where is it? Where did you hide it? Where? She emptied my basket of stones onto the bed, and when she couldn't find a brooch there, she pulled off all the bed sheets and the covers from the pillows, scattering the stones all over the floor, and then she. Hit me! She hit me across the face and called me the most awful name. She backed me into the corner of the room behind the door and kept hitting and shouting at me. And I slid down the floor and covered my head with my arms. Stop! Stop, please, Mama, Stop! But she kept hitting me. You
2: hateful! You got for nothing! And don't think I don't know about those little brats you bring in here behind my back. Those common little Callan Street brats. (sighs) You dare bring them into my
0: house again. I'll whip them and you, bitch. She only stopped when Edie came running up the stairs to say she'd found the brooch in the kitchen. There was no apology, of course. And I spent the rest of the morning crying in my room. Edie came up to see how I was when Mama left at her usual hour. I think it would be better not to have Annie and Kate calling today, she said. Mama knows. I don't care. I don't care. She can beat me again if she likes, but if she goes near those girls, I'll do something. I'll make her live to regret it. I started to tidy up the room. Then I went downstairs and opened the front door. Kate and Annie were across the street by the cathedral railings. Annie waved. I beckoned them over. Are you OK, Miss Paulina? Kate asked. Yes, I just got a bit of grit in my eye. I'm fine. Are you coming in? I took them both down to the kitchen and gave them a glass of milk. I could see that Kate was anxious to get away, so I told her I'd take care of Annie for a while and she could go out and play with her friends. Annie was fascinated by the boiler in the scullery, and I lifted her up so she could look down inside. Is water hot? she asked. No, not now, Annie. It's just lukewarm. Luke warm. Luke warm, she repeated. It was her word for the day and she kept saying it as I took her upstairs to play in my room, which was still in some disarray. You help me pick up the stones, Annie. Put them in the basket. Good girl. At one point, as Annie crawled around searching for the stones, I felt so light-headed I had to sit down. I hadn't eaten very much at breakfast and with the row with Mama. Annie came over to me with a big smile on her face and the little basket in her hands filled with stones. All done, she said. All done. I remember just looking at her, her little flushed face, her tousled hair. All done, she said again, as if to wake me from my reverie. I got to my feet. Come on. Let's go downstairs and see if there's any nice bread. Yes, you can take the basket Annie, of course you can. I really needed something to eat. Edie was just entering the parlour as we passed by. Remember what Mama said? I took no heed and continued on down to the kitchen. I took the basket of stones from Annie and set it beside the table and buttered some bread for the two of us. I was just about to pour some milk when I felt a presence at the window. But there was nobody. Nobody there. No man. Nobody. It. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> Could be nobody. <laughs> Only me. Oh. Only me. Oh, my good Lord. Only me and the girl, <laughs> Annie. What is the Annie Slaven, <laughs> aged three years old, from Callan Street, oh, and me, Belina Pryor, oh, nineteen Did years old, from that? Number Six Baker's Hill. Easy, the accused I, oh, I am I the accused accused of what? what did I do? Edie what did I do? Help your sister, my oh, sister I. says I she was sitting in the parlour when I appeared at the door and said I what? What was it? I have murdered the child. That's what I said. Did I say that? According to my sister. She ran past me then. Down to the kitchens. The scullery. The boiler. Annie. Annie Slavin. My little sleuthie... Drowned... Drowned... But how... My sister laid her out on the window seat. Little... Annie... Drowned... Spoiler. Me. I did it. <laughs> Mama. Mama at the door. Looking. Looking at me. At the child. Edie crying. <laughs> Melina has killed the child. My mother staring at me. What now, Belina? What have you done now to
2: shame the family?
0: I could see the fear in her eyes, fear in my mother's eyes. Afraid of me. Yes, Mama. Yes, I did it. See. I have paid you off. And I am glad of it. Did I... Did I say that? Everyone looking at me. Mama. Edie, The Reverend Wade. The doctor. At me. They found stones. In the water where Annie... in lukewarm water in the boiler twelve stones twelve stones in the water twelve letters in my name nine
2: It's all right. It's all right now. Mama's here. Mama's here. Poor Belina. Poor poor Belina. It's all over now all the pain it's all gone oh. you'll have no worries anymore I look after everything like always oh My beautiful daughter. She could have been a great actress, you know. I could see that. I could see that in her. And I knew she could see it too, despite her resistance. Perhaps if I'd done something then, perhaps that little slaven girl would still be... Yes, I did punish Belina when she deserved it. I was harsh to her sometimes. I wasn't a perfect mother. I... I know that. But it was hard for me, too, after their father died. I tried. I tried my best. And Belina needed to be pushed. When I saw the body of that little child laid out, water dripping from her hair, I couldn't. I ran out of the house down to the library for the Reverend Wade. Please, you must come. Something
1: terrible has
2: happened. She was taken into custody, my Bellina. Taken down to the maw, to the prison, To await charges. And then she... Oh, my dear, dear girl. She tried to cut her throat. They put her in the mental hospital then, for her own safety. I'll be
0: hanged, I suppose. And I'll be glad of it. That's what she said as they took her away.
2: Poor Belina. Poor, poor Belina. Ten. At the preliminary court case, that doctor, Dr Gray, said that hysterical, hysterical females, ...females
1: accuse themselves of things they have nothing to do with.
2: He was a nice-looking man, and I believe he meant well. After all, no-one had seen Bellina do it. There was a tin can there that the little girl could have used to climb up to the boiler. Who's to say she didn't just fall in? There was no sign of a struggle. The child had no other injuries, and the Reverend Wade said that Bellina's sleeves were quite dry. What if she'd had one of her episodes while the child was climbing up? Like that time in the churchyard. She and Adie had been taking a stroll round the church grounds and in the middle of a conversation, Bellina just stopped, stopped moving, stopped speaking, just stood there. Like she was in a trance for two or three minutes, Adie said as if she was about to faint. She seemed gone, off in another world, lost in her own mind. And then, just as suddenly, she was back, knowing something had happened, but thinking it had only been momentary and seemingly none the worse for it. At the trial in July, she was found guilty but insane and committed to Dundrum Asylum in Dublin. Four years she spent in that place. Four years? Despite the ignominy pertaining to our family, poor Harvey, I felt sorry for most... The jibes from his schoolfellows. Your sister's a child killer. I was determined to stay in Armagh. After we moved into number two, a fresh
1: start, I organized a petition to plead for Bellina's the release. The undersigned. Respectfully and earnestly pray that His Excellency, the Lord Lieutenant of Ireland, may be graciously pleased to grant the prayer of the petition and release Bellina Pryor to the keeping of her mother. Stated this 28th of July, 1892, Robert Knox, primate, Michael Logue, Archbishop of Armagh and primate of all Ireland, Henry McNeice, Administrator, George Chadwick, Dean of Armagh. Both Archbishops of Armagh signed it,
2: and many leading dignitaries. The doctor's report on Bellini's behaviour in Dundrum was very favourable, and I had great hope they would release her into my care in Armagh. However, despite my entreaty, they made it a condition of her release that she should not return to Vickers Hill or anywhere else in Armagh. I had spent so much time and effort, not to mention money, preparing the new house. But the most important thing was to have my dear daughter back into my care. So I accepted the condition and we went to live in London, where I had family. Those next few years, Bellina was so good. I encouraged her to seek work as an actress. But it was so difficult to get producers interested in seeing her, despite her photographs. She did look beautiful. Oh, I could see how disappointed she felt. After a while, we determined to travel... I took her with me back to India, the country of her birth, after all, and Adie brought her with her to New York. But always there was a restlessness to return, and to return to Ireland. Harvey had by now followed in his father's military footsteps and enlisted in the Royal Irish Fusiliers... And Aidy wished to stay and make her life in America. So there was just Bellina and I. And I picked a favourite spot for both of us in Warren Point, county down. Seaview, number six. Bellina seemed more excited by the number of the house than anything inside.
0: Two sixes. Two sixes. Six Vickers Hill... Sexy view.
2: It was beautiful there. We loved our walks together, often in silence, but occasionally that happy, fun character from when she was younger would emerge. (laughs) She could make me laugh like no-one else, mimicking the voices and mannerisms of the local shopkeepers. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <He's
0: silly>. oh, <laughs> Miss Belina, you should have seen well over six foot and so extinguished looking, <laughs> so extinguished. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but then. Then something happened. Something inside her. She retreated into herself more and more. And she began writing those letters. Eleven. Letters on blue paper. To Dr. Revington in Dundrum. The asylum. The nice doctor. At first, she kept them from me. But I found one in the drawer in her room, unsealed and unsent. She had signed it. Violet, Violet B. B. de Montmorency,
0: Montmorency Prayer Violet? It's my favourite colour, Mama. Why shouldn't I call myself Violet? But it wasn't the name.
2: I didn't care if she called herself Ultramarine... It was the content of the letter and the secret she'd kept from me. Gradually, I drew it from her, although the details varied over time. Dear Dr. Revington, I am writing to you to request your advice on a matter concerning my confinement in Dundrum some years ago.
0: I am somewhat... Suspicious of the identity of that male warder who first brought me to Dundrum. I now believe that, in fact, this was a gentleman in disguise. I believe his real name was Beresford, Lord William Beresford. And in the asylum church, I was falsely married to this man. One night, he was secretly let into my room by one of the female warders, and then he began to... I am to be married properly next May, but I wish to set right what happened to me in Dundrum. I will use any means in my power to have redress on this man and on the authorities for the indignity to which I was exposed while under their care. Yours sincerely, Violet B. de Montmorency, Prior. But
2: clearly someone, possibly someone working in the asylum, had played fast and loose with her. Taken advantage of her delicate nature and pretended to be in love with her. There may have been two men, but one called himself. Lord William Beresford. <laughs> now, of course, I have no doubt this was not his real name. After all, the Lord William Beresford, who had achieved fame in the Zulu War and won a Victoria Cross, no less, and had been born in Muller Brack, just outside Armagh, <laughs> he was hardly likely to be working in an asylum or fraternising with anyone of that ilk. But my dear daughter was duped into thinking he was going to marry her. Something did happen. I'm convinced of it. There was a liaison. I don't want to think about it. What might have happened? But Melina was convinced. And I could not disbelieve her that some form of marriage did take place. I supported her and demanded redress. But all we got were platitudes and suspicion and we were reported to the police. After all, my daughter was a criminal lunatic and a danger to society. (laughs) A danger to society. My Belina. We moved to Dublin in the hope of getting justice. But all we got was a plain-clothes policeman, a silly little man who followed her around and took notes. We are on our way to church. Kindly step aside. Do you know who we are, my good man? My husband was Lieutenant Colonel John de Montmorency, prior of the Twelfth Lancers. It was my daughter who was wronged. She is the victim here. Don't you understand? In Rathmines, she defied them all and called herself Mrs Beresford. (laughs) (laughs) She wore her pink outfit in the summer and was known as the Pink Lady. (laughs) But her mental health had suffered so. It was unbearable to witness a woman barely 40, who should have been in her prime, Beautiful, talented, and yet so childlike. She exhausted me. She would spend hours on end in her room crying. It was heartbreaking. Crying for herself. Crying for that little girl in Armagh, Annie Slavin... Crying for the disappointment of life. And I was too old and unable to take it any more. Something had to be done. Twelve. We had the most awful row in August when I wouldn't take her to the Theatre Royal to see Signor Caruso. But how could I risk it? Ever since that time she was ejected from the Empire Palace Theatre for hissing at the actors. She was a marked woman among theatre establishments. I promised to take her to London instead. Maybe she could see Caruso in Covent Garden her heart was set on going to London. And finally, we were all packed, and off we went to Westland Row. But we were no sooner there than she suddenly wanted to come straight home again, and back we traipsed. I don't think the neighbours saw us. They probably think we're there by now. In London. Which is for the best. We mustn't be disturbed. Not until... I remember once bringing her on an excursion a day out to the seaside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't go near the water. She sat down on the stones tried to encourage her to look for the prettiest ones, like we used to at Cranfield when she and Adie were little. She showed no interest. But I collected some for her. And she did play with them when we got home. She sat on the floor and arranged the stones in a circle. Twelve. Like the numbers on a clock. And she just sat looking at them while we heard the music from the house next door. The phonograph.
0: I watched as she
2: quietly touched each stone in turn and mouthed something to herself. Then she looked up at me and smiled. (sighs) And I knew it was over. All enmity between us. Whatever our past, whatever it happened, the years disappeared. Mm. Mother and daughter. Just the two of us.
1: On Wednesday twenty fourth of november nineteen oh nine, police broke into a room at two Charleville Road Rathmines in Dublin and found two bodies, a mother and daughter. Two empty bottles of carbolic acid lay nearby, together with a note written by the mother.
2: I leave all I die possessed of to my younger son, Harvey. And I would wish him, if he comes across AD, to give her my fond love and some souvenir from me. Nina J. Pryor I destroy my daughter that no one may get her and do away with myself immediately after.